friend, as some of you already know, this program is financially supported 100% by love gifts from listeners like yourself. So please, would you help us with a donation so that we can produce more programs and bless others? We need your financial support. To make a one-time donation, visit our website, drruthtanyi.org. That's D-R-R-U-T-H-T-A-N-Y-I dot O-R-G. Look for the donation button and donate right there. It is a very secure, simple, and easy process. Or, for more of an impact, would you prayerfully consider becoming a Christ-centered monthly partner with us? While on our website, you will find all of the information about becoming a Christ-centered partner. As a monthly partner, your regular prayers and financial support will enable us to produce more Bible teachings in order to reach more people and transform their lives with God's Word. For those of you who prefer regular email, you can send your donation to us. Here's the address. Dr. Ruth Tanya Ministries, P.O. Box 1806, Loma Linda, California, 92354. You can also email us with your questions about becoming a partner. Here's the email address. Info at drruthtanyi.org. That's I-N-F-O at D-R. R-U-T-H-T-A-N-Y-I dot O-R-G Or you can always call us at 909-383-7978 Dr. Ruth Tanya Ministries is a federal government approved 501c corporation which means that all of your donations are 100% tax deductible as allowed by the law. We thank you in advance for your kind donation and prayers. Good day to you. We are glad you are listening to today's session. Dr. Ruth continues her teaching on the book of Leviticus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I am glad you are listening today. And uh, I am hoping that the first seven chapters of uh, this book of Leviticus, which we have already gone over, have given you a biblical perspective with regards to why God gave the law to the nation of Israel. And uh, I hope you are in agreement with God's plan uh, for why that law or the laws were given, uh, like we talked about before. It was primarily to mold and shape them as his chosen people in order for them to reflect his glory onto other nations. All right. So today we will focus on Leviticus chapters 8 through 11. And we will get into other laws that the Lord had given the nation of Israel so which is why it is important that you are in agreement with God why he gave these laws because we will be getting into more laws. So we will begin with uh, Leviticus chapter 8. And in this chapter, we will learn about the ordination of Aaron and his sons as priests. And um, Exodus uh, chapter 28 
and 29 talked about this as well. And it also talked about the priestly garments. So now in the book of Leviticus, we will go over some of that as well. So let's take a look at the first few verses of Leviticus chapter 8. The first four verses, uh, verse 1 through 4, the Lord uh, had given Moses instructions uh, for Moses to tell Aaron and the rest of the Israelite community for how they were to prepare for this ordination. And these four verses talked about how they were to bring forth the anointing oil, the bull for the sin offering, the two rams, and the basket containing the bread with no yeast. And the Lord uh, told Moses to gather the uh, Israelite community at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Okay, so in verse 4, uh, Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and the assembly gathered at the entrance to the tent of uh, meeting. And verses 5 through 9 will teach us how Moses will dress Aaron and his sons in the priestly garments. Again, remember, in Exodus uh, chapters 28 and 29, we went over these priestly garments already and consecration. So I really recommend that you go back and re-listen to Exodus chapters 28 and 29 because I will uh, go through these uh, verses here rather quickly because we had gone over the details in the book of Exodus. So we are now uh, looking at verse 6. Uh, this is after Moses had gathered the Israelite community. Uh, verse 6, then Moses brought Aaron and his sons forward and washed them with water, okay, preparing them for the ordination. And in verse uh, 7, uh, we are told how Moses placed the tonic on Aaron and tied the sash around him and clothed him with the rope, referring to the priestly garment. And then in verse 9, he placed the breastplate uh, on Aaron with the Urim and Tuminim. Remember, we talked about the uh, Urim and Tuminim. These are these were like stones that we talked about this in the book of Exodus. Many Bible scholars uh, say that these were like some kind of stones that the Lord used during the Old Testament time and ask the uh, priest to cast lots uh, so that decisions can be made. But remember, we are in the New Covenant and in the New Testament, uh, Jesus uh, taught his disciples out of the Gospel of uh, John, uh, chapters 14 through 17, how he would send the Holy Spirit that will guide us into all truths. And then in the book of Acts, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and is indwelling all the believers. So God does not uh, has to walk through casting of lots anymore because the Holy Spirit indwells each of us and the Holy Spirit guides and leads each of us into all godly truths. Okay, but again, in the Old Testament time, the, old, the uh, Holy Spirit 
was not indwelling the Old Testament people, so God had to use a different methodology to guide and lead them. This was one of those methodologies. The Urim and the Tumim that was placed on the breastplate of the priestly garment. All right. And then in verse 9, Moses placed the turban on Aaron's head and set the gold plate. And then we come down to uh, verses 10 through, uh, let's see, um, 36. Moses will uh, carry out the process of anointing the tabernacle in preparation for this event. Let's take a closer look at certain uh, verses here in verse 11. He sprinkled some of the oil on the altar seven times, anointing the altar and all its utensils and the basin with his stand to consecrate them. Now, remember, all of this preparation is taking place because the Lord would later appear at the tabernacle right after uh, the, the preparation has been carried out correctly for the ordination. So, that is why all of this preparation is taking place because these Old Testament people could not just approach the Lord without sacrificial uh, offerings that we had talked about uh, in previous chapters. Now we are down to verse 13. Uh, Moses brought Aaron's sons forward. He placed the tunics on them. He also dressed them with the priestly garments. And in verse uh, 14, uh, he presented the bull for the sin offering. And Aaron and his sons laid their hands on his head and Moses slaughtered it. Again, remember uh, that the uh, Aaron and his sons, uh, by laying their hands on the animal, they are transferring their sin to the animal and then the animal will be slaughtered and uh, burnt at the burnt offering. A sacrifice will take place for their sins to be atoned for. All of this had to be done before the ordination. And then uh, verses uh, 15 all the way through 17 is teaching us how the atonement took place uh, you can read those verses on your own. And we come down to verse 18. It also tells us how the bond offering uh, took place. And uh, verse 19, Moses uh, slaughtered the ram and again splashed the blood against the sides of the altar, making atonement for the sins of Aaron and his sons before the ordination. This is something, attire. how... Um, God really had to teach these people how to consecrate themselves before they could approach him. This is what we see happening in these verses here. We are now down to verse 22. Uh, then uh, uh, Moses presented the other ram, the ram for the ordination, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on its head. Again, the whole principles of transferring their sins onto the animal. Verse 23, Moses slaughtered the ram and took some of his blood and put it on the lobe of Aaron's right ear, uh, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. We really don't know why Moses did this, meaning why he placed 
some of the blood in these specific places, except some Bible scholars believe that this was uh, done uh, so as to anoint Aaron's ears so he could listen attentively to the Lord. But again, we don't know. Those were all suggestions. Verse 24, Moses also brought Aaron's sons forward and put some of the blood on the on the lobes of their right ears. Again, he did uh, the same thing just to ordain them. And then let's come down to verse 27. Uh, he put all this in the hands of Aaron and his sons and and they waved them before the Lord as a wave offering. So a wave offering was also done in preparation for the ordination. And then um, we are told in uh, verse 28 there how the bond offering was done as an ordination offering, a pleasing aroma, a food offering presented to the Lord. Again, the pleasing aroma referring to the fact that the Lord accepted the uh offering that was acceptable and pleasing to him verse 29 Moses also took the breast which was his share of the ordination ram and waved it before the Lord as a wave offering so a wave offering was also done uh, we are now down to verse 30 Moses took some of the anointing oil and the blood and he sprinkled them on, on the garments okay the priestly garments of Aaron and his sons Again, consecrating them, setting them apart to uh, begin their ministry as priests for the Lord. Uh, in verse 31, Moses then said to Aaron and his sons, Cook the meat at the entrance to the tent of meeting and eat it there with the bread from the basket of ordination offerings as I was commanded. Again, these uh, verses, uh, verses 31 all the way to... Uh, 34, uh, teaching us how uh, Aaron and his sons were to eat uh, the food out of the offering. Again, remember we talked about this earlier, how this was God's way of providing for his uh, workers, i.e. his ministers, the uh, foods or animals, uh, bread that was offered as offering, uh, the priest would eat out of that. So that is what those verses are saying that Moses gave Aaron and, and his sons instructions to eat out of the offering. Verse 35, uh, you must stay at the entrance to the tent of meeting day and night for seven days. So apparently this process of ordination was to last for uh, seven days. So uh, that way it is completed. And remember, in Bible studies, number seven is the number of completion. So this ordination took uh, seven days to be completed. And in verse 36, uh, so Aaron and his sons did everything the Lord commanded through Moses. So that brings us to the end of chapter eight. Okay, so we have gone over all the preparation for the ordination some of you may be wondering, what is the purpose for the ordination? Excellent question. Let's go over a few major reasons for this ordination. Number one, you have to remember that although all of the men from the tribe of Levi were the ones responsible for providing services to the Lord, i.e. working in the tabernacle, 
etc. Only Aaron's descendants were to be priests, okay? Again, only the descendants of Aaron were called into the office of priesthood. And as priests, they were the ones specifically responsible for, for performing all of the sacrifices and atonement for uh, the Lord on behalf of the people. So in order for Aaron and his sons to begin their ministry as priests and carry out these uh, various sacrifices on behalf of the people uh, to the Lord, they themselves had to be cleansed. Spiritually, symbolically, they had to dedicate themselves uh, to the Lord. The Lord had to consecrate them, set them apart, okay, cleanse them before they could help somebody else. Okay, essentially, they had to be cleansed themselves before God would accept them to help others. So that uh, was the primary reason why this ordination and consecration had to take place. However, you have to uh, remember that the high priest, which Aaron was that first high priest, also was the only person who uh, was to get into the Holy of Holies and make atonement for the Israelite community uh, for their sins as a whole, including his own personal sin, okay? So Aaron had to go through this process of dedication, cleansing as the high priest uh, before he could even venture to get into the Holy of Holies to sacrifice for the Jews and for himself. But keep in mind that all of this was a foreshadow of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, because he took care of the sins for the entire world, although each person must individually accept the sacrifice of Jesus Christ in order to enter into a relationship with God. So that was a very succinct uh, discussion there about the importance of the ordination and consecration of the priest, just to set them apart. Okay, okay, so that brings us to chapter 9. The preparation for the ordination had taken place now in chapter 9 in the book of Leviticus. We will learn uh, how the priest will begin their ministry. And again, before the priest even begin their ministry, they're going to go through some more sacrifices to the Lord. So chapter 9 will teach us some of that. The first few verses of Leviticus uh, chapter 9, uh, verses 1 through 4, is talking about how on the eighth day Moses summoned Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. Verse 2, Moses uh, told Aaron again to bring the bull calf for the sin offering and the ram for the burnt offering without defect. And um, so these verses just tell us how uh, Moses informed Aaron and his sons to uh, bring their uh, uh, animal or animals for the sacrifice that has to take place before they actually get into work as priests. 
Okay, so we come down to the end of uh, verse 4. Uh, Moses told uh, them that uh, the Lord uh, would later appear to them, so they had to prepare for these uh, sacrifices before the appearance of God in the form of a theophany would uh, manifest in the tabernacle. Verse 5, they took the things Moses commanded to the front of the tent of meetings. This is referring to the ram and the uh, uh, bull calf for the sin offering. They took all of that to the um, front of the tent of meeting and the entire assembly came near and stood before the Lord. Uh, verse 6, uh, Moses gave them instructions that the Lord had given him. Uh, and then in verse uh, 7, uh, Moses said to Aaron to um, come to the altar and sacrifice uh, his own personal sin. So we see how in verse uh, 7, Moses is instructing Aaron to come to the altar and make a sacrifice for his own sin. This was all before he would begin his role as the high priest. Verse 8, we are told how Aaron uh, came uh, to the altar and slaughtered the calf for a sin offering. And then uh, later on in uh, moving to verse 9 there, he sprinkled the blood at the base of the altar. And uh, we come down to uh, verse 10. He burnt the fat, the kidneys, and the uh, long lobe of the liver from the sin offering. We come down to verse 12. He slaughtered the burnt offering, and his sons handed him the blood, and he splashed it against the sides of the altar again, atoning for his own personal sin. You can read all those uh, verses on your own. Then we come to verse 15. Uh, Aaron then brought the offering that was for the people. So apparently Aaron had to offer uh, a sin offering for himself and for the uh, people, i.e. the Israelite community as a whole. And those verses uh, told us how he did that in accordance with the prescribed way. Uh, we are told that in verse 16 and coming down here to verse 18. Uh, he slaughtered the animal there and uh, offered a fellowship offering for the people. And of course, again, he placed the blood uh, on the sides of the altar. Uh, you can read those verses on your own. And uh, we come down to uh, verse 21. Aaron then offered a waved offering to the Lord as um, the Lord had commanded Moses. One thing we have to highlight here is we see how Moses is giving instructions to Aaron how to carry out this, this uh, sin offering, this wave offering, this burnt offering to atone for his own sins and for the sins of the Israelite community. And we see Aaron obeying the Lord's commandments. Okay, we, we see obedience from the part of Aaron throughout these verses here. Very important for you to keep that in mind because had Aaron not obeyed and carried out God's instructions as prescribed by God and, and uh, given to Moses, uh, God would not have accepted his sacrifice. And we come to uh, verse 22, after Aaron had atoned for his own sin and the sins for the uh, community, 
uh, verse 22, Aaron lifted his hands towards the people and he blessed them. Okay, uh, such as uh, he did a prayer of the of uh, benediction, blessing the people. And in verse 23, Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting. When they came out, they blessed the people and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. So we see how Moses and Aaron had carried out God's instructions perfectly and they had blessed the people. And then uh, as a result of their obedience, we see the manifestation of uh, God in the form of a theophany. Uh, verse 24, fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. Wow. Again, obedience, obedience, obedience in this chapter and uh, God appeared. So just really an obvious principle here is that in our own personal lives, as we walk with the Lord, do we expect God to bless us with his uh, provisions, with his uh, obvious uh, protection, guidance, his presence when we don't obey him? If that is what you are expecting, that is not going to happen. Because as we can see, a, a very classic principle from this chapter is that God manifests himself to them in the form of a theophany after they carried out his instructions. God is after obedience from the heart. So if you want God to bless you uh, with his peace, provision, protection, or whatever you are expecting from God today, you would be wise to obey him you would be wise to, to obey his instructions as, as clearly stated in his word. As you obey God by, by obeying his word, his blessings will chase you effortlessly. Okay? Uh, and again, God is not going to appear to you in a theophany like he did to the Old Testament people. But no, God will walk through people to meet your needs. God will, will his, his supernatural peace will, will fill your soul. You, you, will, you will experience an acute sense of direction uh, from God and his presence would be almost tangible in your life as you obey him and carry out his instructions as clearly stated in his word. So God is after obedience. That is one of the major things we can learn from uh, Aaron uh, in this uh, chapter. All right, uh, moving right along here to chapter 10. So in this chapter, we will learn the very opposite, disobedience from Aaron's two sons. Uh, Nadab and Abihu. Okay, you would think that after they had uh, observed their father obeyed the Lord by carrying out all these instructions, they would learn. Obviously, some people just cannot learn or they refuse to learn. So let's get into chapter 10 right away and see what we can learn here. Let's uh, take a closer look at the first uh, few verses. Uh, Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1. Aaron's sons Nadab and Abihu took their censers, put fire in them, and added incense. And they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to his command. Verse 2. So fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. 
Verse 3, Moses then said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke of when he said. What is happening here is that, wow, <laughs> we had just gone over how the priest uh, were the ones who were to offer sacrifices and carried out God's instructions uh, for the tabernacle. And these two of Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, without instructions from the Lord, they decided that they were going to burn incense. They were going to uh, light their own fire and do their own thing. And as a result of this gross disrespect, gross disobedience towards God, God had to impose a final judgment towards them, which was death. And he did that in the presence of everyone so he could set a perfect example. This is crucial because you have to remember, these two sons of Aaron were priests who were already anointed, remember? As leaders, they grossly disobeyed God in front of everybody, and God would not accept that. So God had to, had to uh, impose a final judgment by killing them. They became ashes. They died. And, and, and in doing this, God sent a message to the priests, to the Levites, to the leaders, that you can only carry out instructions in the tabernacle. You can only carry out instructions, offering sacrifices exactly as I instruct Moses to tell you. Which is why throughout these verses, the Lord is telling us that this is a lasting ordinance for all the generations so that it has or it had to be carried out precisely as prescribed. So we see God's final judgment here uh, in order to send a message. And boy, that message was clear, uh, loud and clear, okay? So they died, and uh, we come to uh, the rest of verse 3 there. I'm going to just repeat that. Moses then said to Aaron, this is after the two uh, sons of Aaron had burnt. This is what the Lord spoke of when he said, among those who approach me, I will be proved holy in the sight of all the people. I will be honored. I really appreciate that. You see, God had to tell them that you don't mess with my instructions. Do you think that has changed today? No, it hasn't. God's decrease in, in his word, i.e. the Bible, are still to be respected. Okay, of course, today God is not going to strike you dead, but you, by your own disobedience, would open the door for your enemy, Satan, to come into your life and devour you, and God would allow it because you disobeyed him. So the principle is the same. Disobedience to God leads to destruction. <laughs> so you would be wise to obey God. Okay, verse 4, Moses summoned Mishael, and Elzaphim, sons of Aaron's uncle, and said to them, Come here, uh, carry your cousins outside the camp, away from the front of the sanctuary. So essentially Moses gave instructions for the two dead bodies to be taken away and uh, out of the camp. And in uh, verse 6, uh, Moses gives specific instructions from Aaron and his uh, other sons, uh, Elijah and Ithamar, that they should not mourn okay, for the deaths of their brothers or for the death of Aaron's son. 
He said, do not let your hair become unkept and do not tear your clothes or you will die. And the Lord will be angry with the whole community. So Moses is speaking, okay, under the inspiration of God that uh, the, the other uh, sons of Aaron should not mourn, okay, for the deaths of uh, uh, Nadab and Abihu. And Aaron himself is not supposed to mourn because this was a righteous judgment. There's nothing to mourn for. And uh, Moses ended, ended up giving Aaron and his other sons instructions to go and continue work for the Lord. And uh, in spite of the deaths that had uh, happened. And then uh, Moses said the rest of the Israelite community can go and mourn uh, for Nadab and Abihu. But Aaron and his other two sons should re return to their priestly function. Okay, that uh, is explained to us in verse 7. Uh, you can read that there. And then uh, we come to verse 8. The, uh, the Lord also said to Aaron that the priest is not to uh, drink wine or other types of alcohol. This is obvious. That way they would not be intoxicated. Uh, they should have a clear mind and stay focused when carrying out instructions um, on behalf of the people, uh, such as uh, offering their sacrifices to the Lord. So no alcohol is allowed. And uh, so this is a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. We are told that uh, there in verse 8. And in verse 10, the Lord is telling us why uh, he is giving them these uh, instructions. That way he could distinguish them uh, as holy from the other uh, nations. And uh, uh, verses 12 all the way through 15 uh, are teaching us how Moses instructed Aaron and his uh, remaining sons to eat the offerings uh, that were sacrificed to the Lord. Uh, however, uh, Aaron felt uncomfortable doing that uh, following the deaths of his two sons. And in verse 16, we are told how Moses inquired about the fact that Aaron had not eaten the sin offering that was offered, and he was uh, quite upset why Aaron had not obeyed his instructions to eat the sin offering as part of his portion. And we come down to verse 19. Aaron offered an explanation why he did not feel uh, good about uh, eating the sacrifice uh, shortly after his two sons had been killed. He didn't feel like that was the appropriate thing to do. Let's, let's read uh, Aaron's response here in verse 19. Aaron replied to Moses, Today they, sacri they sacrificed their sin offering and their bond offering before the Lord, but such things as these have happened to me. Would the Lord have been pleased if I had eaten the sin offering today? When Moses heard this, he was satisfied. Let's put this in perspective. You see, what's happening here is that Aaron was actually disobeying God's instructions for the priest to eat from the offerings, okay? So Moses, we are told in verses 16 through 17, was upset at Aaron why he had not obeyed the Lord's instructions to eat out of the offering that the people had brought. Uh, and then in, in verse 19, we see Aaron offering an explanation in Aaron's mind, he is thinking that, well, do you think the Lord would have been happy with me eating this uh, offering 
given what had happened today. So even though Aaron, in a way, disobeyed God's instructions by not eating the offering from the sin offering and the fellowship offerings, in this situation, his excuse was acceptable, okay? And we see uh, God's uh, mercy and grace being extended towards Aaron here uh, in that God did not uh, impose punishment on Aaron for disobeying his ordinance of eating from the fellowship offerings and the sin offering. So what this is teaching us is that at times, as we know, as New Testament believers, the mercy of God, that the mercy of God means that that is when God withholds punishment towards us, even when we deserve it, just because of his goodness. We see that happening here, that at times God would withhold his punishment and judgment towards us because of his love. And that is what uh, was exemplified in these verses. And as a result of that, Moses accepted Aaron's excuse and that brings us to the end of chapter 10 with the biggest lesson there being disobedience. Okay? I had already explained that. So this brings us to chapter 11. Okay, we are now down to Leviticus chapter 11. Uh, let me go over some major principles about clean and unclean foods before we highlight a few verses in this chapter 11, because I believe if I do this, it will help you put this in perspective, okay? Uh, because when God gives an ordinance, there is a principle behind it. And God does not just give us laws just for law's sake. All laws given to us from God is for our own betterment. So if we approach the laws of God from that perspective, it will make a lot of sense and it will make it much easier for us to, to uh, glean some application from there that can help us to walk closely with the Lord. So what are some of the principles here with regards to the clean and unclean foods and animals and birds that the Lord gave uh, to the Israelites? Number one, it was not a religious obedience. <laughs> nor was it some dietary, healthy eating plan. Now, there is a principle here. The principle, number one, is to separate the Israelites or the Jews from the pagan nations, okay? And, and, and this is the same principle, just like the Sabbath. So by God giving them a list of clean and unclean foods, he used that as a way to, to bring to the, to the Jews attention or keep it in their forefront that they are unique set of people, that they are different from the rest. So that's number one. God used that as a way to separate them from the rest of the pagan nations. Number two, God gave these laws clean and unclean to help the Israelites to understand themselves as unique, distinct people chosen by God in order to reflect God's holiness to the other nations, okay? And also, without these laws that were to separate the nation of Israel from the other surrounding nations, the, the Jews would have just easily blended with, with every other pagan nation at that time, and they would have lost their unique identity as God's chosen people. All right. So uh, and then also with regards to the animals, uh, clean versus unclean animal, 
it's not that any specific animal has something wrong with it or bad with it. It's a, again, it's a principle. These are the animals that are clean. These are the animals that are unclean. A way to separate the Israelites or the Jews from the pagan nations. With regards to the clean and unclean animals, however, the, the one requirement here was that if an animal sacrifice had to be done towards the Lord, it had to be among one of the clean animals, all right? So keep uh, that in mind. And as we go through these principles, also remember that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's precepts are immutable. They are unchangeable. So even today as New Testament believers, the principle of separating ourselves from the unbelievers is still in operation. We are told that throughout the scriptures, especially in 1 Peter uh, 2, 9. Again, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, where we are told that as New Testament believers, we are called as a holy group of people, separated from the unbelievers, to reflect God's holy character. So it's the same thing, except in the Old Testament, God used animals, okay? Uh, he used foods. And, and in, the, in the New Testament, we are indwelled with the Holy Spirit and we are supposed to, by our, by our own choice, obey God and practice His laws and allow the Holy Spirit to mold and shape us uh, to live a sanctified life in order to glorify God. So it's all the same thing, except God used different ways of accomplishing the same thing. Okay, so now let's take it with that brief description. Let's take a look at some of the verses here in chapter 11. And also uh, keep in mind that with regards to the um, animals, the main thing that separated them, clean versus unclean, we see that right away here in chapter in um, verse three. Well, let me go. Let me begin with verse one. Uh, Leviticus eleven verse one. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, "Say to the Israelites of all the animals that live on land, these are the ones you may eat." Again, we see how the Lord is gonna separate the clean versus unclean. In verse three, we are told. Uh, that they may eat any animal uh, that has a division or has a divided hoof and that chews the cart. And the Lord went on to give examples of unclean animals. Let's look at some of this. Um, let's come down to verse 5, uh, the Herax. You know, the Herax is like a, a big old rabbit. That's that's what I, I, that's what I picture when I hear of the Herax. It's like a rabbit. Though it chews the cart, does not have a divided hoof, it is unclean. In verse 6, the rabbit, okay, it is unclean. The pig, we are told that it is also unclean. That is out of uh, verse uh, 7. You also have to remember that a lot of these animals that the Lord is calling unclean were used by pagan nations for their religious activities and sacrifices. So the Lord really wanted to separate the Jews from the pagan uh, nations so they would not eat uh, some of those types of animals that the pagan nations use for their sacrifices, especially the pig. 
So that is what is happening there. We come all the way to verse 9. The Lord is going to give them instructions for living uh, creatures in the water of the seas and the streams. Uh, we see here how the distinctions for the ones that they may eat are the ones that had fins and scales. Okay. And uh, we come down to... Verse 12, anything living in the water that does not have fins and scales is to be regarded as unclean. So that was the distinction there in verse 13. The Lord is going to give them instructions about the birds. These are the birds you are to regard as unclean. The eagle, okay, verse 14, the red kite, okay, verse 15, the raven. You can read the rest of those. And we come to... Verse 21, more instructions about things that are unclean. You can read those there, such as uh, insects that walk on all fours. Okay, we come to verse 21. We have some other instructions for uh, clean versus unclean. You can read those there. We come all the way to... Verse 26, focusing on the animals uh, that, again, are considered unclean. Look at verse 27. Of all the animals that walk on all fours, meaning four feet or four-legged four creatures, that's what that means. Those that walk on, on their paws are unclean for you. So also, even uh, touching their carcasses, meaning that after they are dead, if you touch them, you are considered unclean. And anyone who picks the dead animal is considered unclean. I mean, these were very specific instructions. And you have to understand, even though this was a principle, there is also some hygiene issues going on here. And this also helped to uh, prevent the spread of uh, germ because a dead animal, uh, if you were to... Uh, have close contact with certain dead animals, you could become contaminated. And you have to remember back then they did not have penicillins <laughs> or they did not have uh, antibiotics. So the Lord had to actually act as the direct physician, giving them specific instructions, what to touch, what not to touch. Okay. Uh, also helping them with some general cleanliness and, and even though these principles focused on separating the nation of Israel as holy people, it benefited them health-wise because by doing this, they stayed clean, they prevented uh, infections. You, you, you see how when the Lord gives ordinances or instructions, it's really for our own benefit. This may not make sense to you or probably it did not make sense to these people. How come I cannot eat this? How come I cannot touch this? But we see how just by obeying these laws, they were able to avoid common diseases like infections and things like that. So uh, we come down to uh, verse... Verses 29 all the way to, okay, uh, verses 29 all the way to 38. Again, detailed instructions, clean versus unclean, how not to touch an animal that is dead. And uh, even if the animal 
touches a surface, that surface is unclean. You cannot touch the carcass of an animal. You can read all of that on your own. We come to verse uh, 39. If an animal that you are allowed to eat dies, anyone who touches its carcass will be unclean till evening. Again, giving them instructions to avoid contamination. We come to um, verse uh, 41. Uh, we're going to begin looking at instructions uh, pertaining to uh, creatures that crawl. Okay. Every creature that moves along the ground is to be regarded as unclean. It is not to be eaten. There's a principle here. Again, this is uh, like... Uh, Things that crawl, such as a snake, a serpent, this is a reminiscence of the serpent who deceived Adam and Eve, as we talked about in Genesis chapter 3. So remember, the serpent was cursed. So here again, we, we see the Lord telling them that things that crawl on the ground should not be uh, eaten. Even though these verses do not tell us that Bible scholars believe that one of the reasons is because it was it brought back to memory what happened to um, Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3 and God cursed the serpent. So likewise, crawling things in, in their stomach are not to be eaten. You can read all those verses and then we come down to verse 46. Uh, the Lord said, these are the regulations concerning animals, birds, every living thing that moves about in the water and every creature that moves along the ground. You must distinguish between the unclean and the clean, between living creatures that may be eaten and those that may not be eaten. Again, we see how the Lord is telling them that they must learn how to distinguish between clean and unclean and um, things to eat and, and things not to eat. So that brings us to the end of that chapter. So now let's take a look at the major principles out of chapters 8 through 11, okay? Uh, principle number one, we talked about the dedication, consecration of the priest. We went over that. Second principle, uh, the nation of Israel is taught how to be set apart. The nation of Israel is being set apart or consecrated as God's holy people. I explained that. And all of these laws, like I explained, are clean and unclean, okay, was to set them apart. We talked about that. And the third principle here is cleanliness. I talked about that. That even though these laws were to set them apart from the other nation, nations, rather, there was some health benefit there. Because a byproduct of that is that they were able to maintain a healthier nation and prevented contaminated diseases uh, from spreading. Principle number four, obedience. We talked about that, Aaron's obedience in carrying out the instructions for the sin offering, fellowship offerings, etc. Okay, principle number five, disobedience. We saw that in Aaron's two sons who offered an unauthorized fire to the Lord and they became ashes. So those were the major principles out of these chapters. So what are the major applications? I talked about this already. Uh, obedience to the Lord, to his decrees, okay? And um, even though God is not going to 
tell us to carry out instructions like he told the Old Testament people Today, as New Testament believers, like I said earlier, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit and we obey God's decrees in his word because we love God. And obeying God is the primary way we can, we can tell others and show God that we love him. It's through obedience. And even though we are not to perform all these various animal sacrifices because Christ fulfilled all of that, today... We are to present our bodies, ourselves daily to the Lord as a living sacrifice. We are told that out of Romans 12, 1, a living sacrifice means that we consecrate, we dedicate our lives to the Lord daily and we obey him and we allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide our lives moment by moment. You see, it's the same principle, just like I said before, except in the New Testament, it's an, it's an issue of the heart. That we come to the Lord freely, willingly, and we say, God, I love you. I trust you. I dedicate myself to you today. I will obey you. I will submit all of my plans to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And you lead and you guide me because you know best. It's the same thing. Okay? And another application here is that during the Old Testament era, these people could not approach God without offering all these sacrifices. But today... We still cannot approach God. You see, it's the same thing. We still cannot approach God except we come through Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is a fulfillment of all of the sacrifices. So we must come through Christ to approach God. The next application here is cleanliness. We talked about the fact that God gave them these uh, laws and the byproduct was that they maintain a cleaner nation. The same thing as New Testament believers, we are to take care of the temple, which is which is our physical bodies. We are told out of 1 Corinthians 6 uh, verses 19 through 20 that our bodies are the temple for God who endures us. So we still have the same responsibility to care for God's temple, okay, which is our physical bodies and cleanliness. Is still impressive to God. Taking care of our health, regular exercise, adequate rest to care for the temple are still good practices that are still applicable today. And I know that there are many Christians who focus solely on the spiritual part and they do not take care of the temple. Really, if you do not take care of your health, if you do not eat a healthy, balanced meal, if you do not engage in regular exercise, if you do nothing to take care of the temple, friend, you would open the door for your enemy, Satan, to attack you with a disease. Because besides, you can love God all you want, but if physically... You are unfit. If physically you are sick, that would tremendously limit how much you can do for God. So taking care of God's temple is top in God's list. So do not take it lightly. For those of you who are struggling with obesity, all kinds of chronic diseases such as diabetes, high cholesterol, stress, 
I have help for you. Because our ministry has an entire series that will help you to better take care of your temple. I recommend you go on the website or you contact us and ask us for our audio CD teaching titled 13 Reasons Why People Get Sick. And um, that teaching will really give you a revelation. We have so many people who listen to that entire series, specifically 13 Reasons Why People Get Sick and then Daily Habits for Your Soul. Right now as we speak, I have a pastor friend who is struggling with with health issues and she is listening to those CDs and she was just telling me today how she is already seeing change. So if you are struggling to take care of your temple, please, we have some resources to help you because God takes this seriously. So we see how the principle of, 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 of taking care of the health is still applicable to us today. Again, as New Testament believers, we take care of our temples because we want to respect and honor God. So this brings us to the end of these chapters. And Father, in Jesus' name, we just thank you for the principles you've taught us through these chapters. We just ask for your presence to continuously guide and direct us. We thank you that you're indwelling us today. We thank you for your love, for your mercy, for your compassion. Strengthen us through your Holy Spirit and teach us how to obey your word because we desire to obey you. We desire to reflect your goodness, your glory unto unbelievers. Strengthen us through your Holy Spirit to carry out this endeavor. We believe you are a good God. We trust you will answer this prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Today is a day the Lord has made, so rejoice in it as you proceed with the rest of your day. I am Chris Horam. Goodbye.